Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Legends of the New Republic. We are a Star Wars book club podcast reading through Legends novels set after Return of the Jedi. And we are starting into, well, we've started into, but we're continuing with uh, The Mandalorian the Armor by K.W. Jeter. And let me just make sure I said his name correctly. <laughs> I, I do, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know anything about K.W. Jeter, but that is, in fact, his name. He doesn't look anything like Derek Jeter. He is, in fact, a completely different race than Derek Jeter. So, I don't think so. Anyway, we're reading through the Mandalorian um, armor, Chris, uh, which is a book about Boba Fett and a couple and of the bounty hunters so far. I'm David, I'm one of your fiction. hosts, and I'm joined tonight by... And, and I'm Jason, and I'm the Eternal Slacker. And I'm Kat, and I'm the necessary girl. <laughs> oh my God. I want to point out. I want to point out that it's not token. It's necessary. Like it would be token if Kat didn't do anything. <laughs> but Kat is necessary, and therefore it's better. <laughs> That's true. But Jay exactly. is also and, necessary. Jay is also well, not a token We also normally character. have Jay, but Jay is in not this, able to join us In this tonight. cast of so ours, we'll have to go on Jay is her. significant and um, needed so have... based on Jay's own fine qualities. Yes. And I would also like to make sure to point out that Cat is a necessary cat wrangler because of all the diversions and rabbit did trails you we go Did you say Cat was a cat yes. wrangler? Yes, I did. Because that seems inappropriate. Um, yeah, it came out weird, but that's just <laughs> me and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> talks about cat on cat violence. <laughs> no one supports cat on cat violence unless that's what cat's into, in which case I support no, it. I, from I get a the point. <laughs> so last week we got through a whopping one chapter of the Mandalorian armor. <laughs> So we're moving on this week to chapter two, wherein things happen and we meet a completely new character to the yeah. canon uh, of legend. His at name least, is uh, Kuat of Kuat, and um, he's introduced. So I'm excited because this is an interesting character to talk about. Petting, and I know already that Chris has thoughts. Which they call a feelings, um, which is definitely not an evil person introduction. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah, he's literally just standing there stroking his cat, his phalanx thing, while an underling comes in to tell him he has a package. But uh, so his name is Kuat of Kuat, and I looked into this because I was curious. His first name is Kuat. That's his given name. His family name is also Kuat. I also realized then that he is from the planet Kuat and runs a company called Kuat Dragon. Now, I, before we so proceed further, is that Kuat the actual of Kuat pronunciation? Because I've always pronounced it Kuat. Just quat. <laughs> this is this is not going to end well. This is um, an important point because quat of quat of quat of quat of quat is very different than quat of quat of quat. And technically, if he had a son and he named his son quat, would his son be quat junior or just quat? Uh, uh, <clears throat> <laughs> How to pronounce? We Kuat. did it here. Hold on, I'm listening to an audio pronunciation. 
well, they have two pronunciations, one of which is Quat and one of which is about this chapter that So I, I am forced to conclude um, that both What is the etymology of this name? Because this is basically like someone being named Earth. Like, you have to think that Quat as a planet wasn't always <laughs> called Quat, at least not by the people on it. And at one point, that name eventually became the actual accepted name of the planet by all the people who were there. And then at some point, I would have to assume after that, this one family was like, oh, yeah, we should change our last name to the name of the planet that we're on. Okay, but consider. (laughs) I think it actually went the other way, the way that we're kind of led to believe um, from this and other things that the planet was named after the noble family. That right, kind of it would be like Bill Gates buying like an they island existed and then or came about island. on the planet, and it just became um, names like Kuat because they were the ones that ran it. Or how the state of Virginia is named after uh, the queen. Yeah, um, Christendom a is named after me. To be a virgin, but Georgia, King George. There's lots of other like places that are just named after people. <laughs> there's a town in like, there's a town in England that's named after my last name and definitely not the truly ideal <laughs> the most um. the best town <laughs> there you go so yeah I, I just think Kuat was probably or Kuat whatever his name is was probably named after uh, uh, his and family I, mean, name. I, I think it's a tradition that the, the firstborn or head of the Kuat family is also it. named Kuat um um, so it's sort of a People tradition. People name their kids London, India, it's true. It's China. True. Well, they and, don't and, name their kids Britain, which is a good choice. Uh, I mean, true. I don't know. I could like a Britain. Britain could be cool. Um, but to follow that thought, <laughs> language names um, come from uh, what is it? It's like four different <laughs> sources. Usually, it's based on the where you fell in society it's either where you're from or your family name what you did um or no it was what's your your family name or where you came from or a geological feature around where you were or what you did or then who owned you and that's where most names come from Well, I think it's interesting because as we'll see both in this series of books and others, mm-hmm. uh, Kuat itself has a very hierarchical, class-based culture with a lot of traditions to it. It's actually kind of a weird culture to our kind of American understanding. So uh, it's very then, different. Than from an actual standpoint, a lot of if Kuat of Kuat was talking about uh, Kuat's father of Kuat, <laughs> who was technically uh, the son of Kuat, how would they reference which Quat they were speaking of? Oh, Quat the Great versus Quat the Cat Owner. <laughs> um. Alternatively, yeah. and yeah, they have to have titles or something. I'm assuming. I'm not sure. Um, maybe they tell us later in the book. Quat, I, have, I don't the remember if they ever explain his name. And they're this. just both spelled the same way. Ah, and if you have a father and a son in the same room, one of them yeah. just defaults to being called Quat, and the other is Kuat. Yes. That makes sense now. That's how you don't get people mad at you at dinner parties. Yes. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, like I um, said, he's got an underling. So, Kuat is, uh, is, coming is a kind of guy who's very fond of machinery his package and precision coming. and wants to make sure things work perfectly. Um, and we find out that he's expecting a package that's arriving on a shuttle, and he's like super eager to get it. In, eager in a regal sort of way. This is really relatable to me. You, 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 ever, you ever track a package from like UPS or whatever and just sit there waiting for it to be delivered? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very, very like accurate to. That's pretty much what he is doing. The package in here. waiting experience. <laughs> it's. It's also very cat-like. So, like, I could just see his cat and him just sitting on the floor and just his assistant coming and being like, what are you doing? They're like, I ordered a package. And he's like, you know that won't come for four days. He goes, yeah, I know. I'm waiting. <laughs> so, I don't know if anyone else has a similar experience with this chapter, but I don't know if it's just the way it's described or my own brain. I always imagine this scene shot like David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> like, it's just shot at a very wide angle. The characters are in, like, very big panoramic rooms. The, the room itself is huge, and there's not much in it, and they're just sort of, like, walking around in a, in a very echoey chamber talking about packages being delivered. <laughs> Ideal. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, because here I was just thinking you were trying to throw out like inflammatory sentences to make Chris wake up. (laughs) That's a thing. I I thought you were going to be like, and then Dengar (laughs) shot his mom and like just pause for a second and see if I responded. (laughs) No, that happens in (laughs) Dune. Yeah, it's not a thong. And first no, of all, no, that no. shower Dune scene is glorious. And how dare you Sting, who flies attack around, Sting's I guess, memory? Technically, it's a metal speedo, but it's Boy, close I think enough. Sting is still alive, too. It doesn't matter. We can all have our memories of Sting in that moment, in that shower, and those memories deserve Sting is not dead. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> We became a we became a Dune podcast real quick, and now we're getting back. Nope. Uh, which which version? Isn't it like <laughs> my dad made me watch the movie once when he was fourteen. I watched that movie once, like when I was fourteen. <laughs> I watched that's the really much better than the part that my mom was watching. Right when the witch woman was saying jihad is a good thing or something, and she was like, "What are you doing?" But it, <laughs> <laughs> all right she's like what are you watching and i'm like dune and well, she's the like next, what's dune the and my next dad's point like I think is oh mine. this is the one science fiction so book i've actually read an extremely complicated <laughs> it's okay he can watch security it. <laughs> system in the package but k of k which is how he will be known from now on confirms his identity his identity and retrieves what he wants and it turns out to be a hall recording from inside Jabba's palace, which is actually kind of a really cool thing to be getting in the mail. Like, if you think... 
Right, but I mean, if you think about the internet, we generally, we generally think <laughs> well, about receiving just information almost it's like instantaneously. But in Star Wars, it's, a, walk like it's a much different system where it's almost like you have to like hard copy move data from one place to another in order for anything to happen. Yeah, especially in Legends, they lean very hard into... Um, well, I guess right. they're not really leaning into physical data storage mediums well, as a major you know, thing because Legends pretty much ran in the 90s and was based off of a movie from the 70s and the 80s. And keep it on the down low, you generally wouldn't want to transfer it in any other form to begin with. Right, it is like, much I mean, this safer. Is the most secure method of doing so and the hardest to track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so it actually fits quite neatly Kuat into the precise leave nothing to chance nature of Kuat of Kuat that he would get a physical copy. <laughs> so he starts walking around inside of the hollow recording, uh, looking at different things yeah. we remember from Return of the Jedi. Uh, like so, he gets this hollow recording. He walks around. He kind of plays the highlight. Kind of what was going on with Jabba's palace. Um, K of K, however, is looking for Boba Fett specifically. He wants proof of whether or not Fett is dead. Um, this is a part that I wasn't entirely sure about. Like, how long was this recording that he was perusing? Because I was picturing that part, like the recording started with like what we like the the establishing scene in um, Return of the Jedi. Where, like, you have everybody just kind of in the area in the hall, like, you can literally see Boba Fett standing in the corner. Yeah, yeah, it's a fairly short recording and such. And it's covered, too, that um, he uh, specifically mm, yeah. has these recordings sent in very small sections. So he's having to comb through each one as it arrives. Yeah, very. So he's I the mean, Mark Zuckerberg of Star Wars. He's very yes. paranoid that someone is going to figure out what he's up to. I think it's I think it's a little unfair wow, yeah. because I think Kuat has shown more one. personality it's not, than it's Zuckerberg. It's not a completely has. unfair description of Kuat. I think he's, uh, you know, right. Well, that's the thing is if Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> petted a cat, I would be like, okay, cool. K of K confirmed. He, he petted a but cat. He didn't drink water. Like I've never seen him do that. And I'm not sure he's capable of it given the way they made him. I mean, um, don't, don't look behind the mirror, children. <laughs> so, so this message that he gets, because it's so short and such, doesn't contain uh, the evidence that Boba Fett is dead. So he destroys it, but um, Kuat of Kuat um, has apparently photographic memory, um, which isn't horribly surprising given how he's been described so far. So he, like, consciously <laughs> works to store these memories in his own mind as, like, the safest possible way of keeping data. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, and he lets this thing melt with like superheated, like it sounds like thermite kind of thing, on it's his like, desk. 
I'm like, don't you have a trash can, man? Like, sure, you could replace the desk, but why bother? (laughs) You have the cat. You have the. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't get that from the cat, (laughs) you have the um, coded message system. You have the weird obsession with the main character. And you have now the message auto-destructs. Which technically this is the second time we've seen that because doesn't, um, didn't the prince, what's his face, <laughs> didn't our failing friend in the beginning burn a note or something? So like, yeah. that's two times we've had messages destroyed for just evil villainous foreshadowing setup. He did. <laughs> truly, truly um, not heavy-handed here at all. Uh, <laughs> so, and then Kuat of Kuat thinks to himself that if Fett is not dead, he will have many plans and many deaths to orchestrate, just in case it was unclear who the bad guy is in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> And just like Shizor, yeah. he's also thinking about like, how Fett's going to have to lead oh, to many deaths. We're going to have to kill a lot of people. There's some because parallels of there. Fett. And it's like, why? What's the backstory? <laughs> well, so this is what's funny to me is that it's, it's like a strange aside, and I'll keep it short, I promise. But it's a slight difference in the way that Boba Fett has been portrayed pre kind of 2000 and like mid 2000s like shortly after return of the jedi but even then like return of the jedi revenge of the sith mostly with the new canon reboot taking away a lot of the legends build up around him boba fett was in in legends a lot of the time at least considered this sort of arnold schwarzenegger-esque like unstoppable terminator force like he's just so stubborn and so impossible to stop that no matter what Boba Fett set his mind to doing, he would do it because you just couldn't keep him down. And that's really not the characterization he has anymore because we've gotten a little bit more fleshed out about his life as a child and it's unclear whether or not he survived Return of the Jedi in New Canon. So if you're coming to this from New Canon, you may be surprised that they kind of pinned all of this like action hero, noir, detective, mishmash of tropes onto Boba Fett. But at the time... It was well, purely it the strength of his costuming of, um, that kept other, this character going. Like, they were like, his costume is awesome. He must also be awesome. Characters that you run into. Um, that was the same era as uh, the Punisher from Marvel Comics mm-hmm. hit Golden Age. Um, like hyper popularity, um, Deathstroke in the New Teen Titans um, was brought on as essentially the anti Batman which was really cool. Um, So, I mean, very, very uh, common Mm -hmm. 90s trope going on here. Well, and oh this yeah. Is, yeah, I mean, hands down. Don't get me wrong. Don't I do wrong. like this characterization this, of Boba Fett purely because he comes off so much as a pulp action hero. To the point where I have like multiple art pieces based around characters <laughs> who fulfill this specific trope. Um, my art teacher in high school 
gave me really nice <laughs> grades, given how sick she must have been of it. <laughs> well, and this is the weird thing about um, that kind of archetype. You know, Raymond Chandler described the uh, hard-bitten <laughs> PI as a man of virtue um, or a man of honor and integrity in a world that's kind of never rewarded him for having it. This is kind of the inversion of that trope that came up, kind of came around with the action hero, where they were trying to get like import that type of masculinity into a system that really didn't give itself over well to moral reflection. And so the way they kind of depicted the suffering of somebody who was like just um, who was tough enough mentally and physically to put themselves through things because they believed that they should. Instead of doing like the character progressions that Chandler would do, um, they would just, you know, break their kneecap and then make them crawl for a long time. Like Rambo is an example of this, where it's like the amount of damage that Rambo like puts up with through those films is a, is basically so that the character itself can overcome something through sheer force of will as an example of how this character is more masculine than the other characters. No. Well, what's also interesting is that Boba Fett as a character really doesn't change very much. It's a, it's an inversion of what you would normally expect the main character of the book to do, which is that he would be the one to grow and change. But he's actually a lot like Mad Max in this respect. He doesn't change. Everyone else around him changes as a result of impacting him in some way. Like, they run into him, corrom into him from some plot or another, find him by the side of a Sarlacc pit, and all of those characters develop well, one of my favorite interactions Boba between Fett, Boba Fett and his, another um, character isn't so much implacable, Lina, unchangeable But it's Han Solo running into him again and being like, ah, <laughs> oh, my nemi- nemesis, and ah, oh, we hate each other, and Boba Fett being like, what? <laughs> nope, don't care about you. <laughs> He's just like, oh. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, dude, I did, did that for I, a job once. I, like, let it go. Did you cost money at some point? Don't remember. <laughs> it's like, new phone. Who did? He didn't even talk to him. He just delivered Han him. Solo, a Han Solo was just molting. <laughs> well, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, real quick, my uh, yeah, I, I promised I'd keep that my, aside my idea short, so we can of, move on to chapter three. Fett, I just thought like, it was interesting how different he stuff, is like, versus canon. now. I always felt them as kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a less arrogant, less uh, one-liner filled version of like Duke Nukem. Mm, That's mm-hmm, fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just straight laced. He wouldn't. <laughs> No, well, but yeah. he has a daughter. He's much less misogynistic, though, because I don't I think he ever in... expresses any kind of romantic interest in anything. But at which point in canon does that happen? He does. He does. That's, that's a surprise people who don't know Legends. Really he has a daughter thing about this. adapting characters across different periods where you end up with different, like, cultural values and thoughts where, like, clearly Han Solo, when he is written in this book and at least a couple of the others, his entire, like persona is that i am too much of a badass to ever care about anything but being a badass and that's it 
like he's almost depicted as not having emotions or needs um and so it's sort of a weird thing where it wouldn't make sense in that canon for him to have a daughter maybe but in something later on it would so i'd be interested in finding out where that actually fell in the chronology of the writing of these books that 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 is fun that's that is also entirely possible. And let's be real here. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, it may actually, if I remember are, correctly, have come about I'm in a comic. I'm not going to say but I'm who, not sure. but some people, myself. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say who, because it would be wrong, but it's me, guys. It's me. It's just a meme. It's just a prank. One, uh, enjoy it when characters who are morally neutral or morally gray or just evil end up having kids who are like they're polar opposites and are like, hey, dad, screw you. Have you seen, have you ever read um, the comic book run of, what do they call them, <laughs> The Runaways, I think? Yes. Yes, okay. I have. And I greatly enjoy it. I was about to say, I love the concept. I wish the TV show was decent, but I love the concept. Well, and that's also part of the reason why I enjoy Deathstroke so much, because he has three kids, and two of them literally join the Teen Titans <laughs> just because they don't like him. <laughs> it's a it's, blessing, really. It's great I when you I don't have any parent <laughs> issues. <laughs> it's great when your teen's rebellious phase makes them a better person. Right? <laughs> but moving on to chapter three, which is um apparently just not in the audiobook version at all, which is a crying shame. Um, we get our first Twilight character. Uh, I wish I wish Jay were here. Jay didn't find out about this Twilight character, and Jay, which is a real shame I'm that this sure is the episode Jay is missed. Very perturbed about this. <laughs> Um, Jay, but her name... in whatever world you're in now, we miss you <laughs> and we wish you were here with our tweed leg buddies. Right. But her name is Mila. She's um, an ex-slave dancer and she knows Denger has a hideout and she's been trying to find it. And she's doing a pretty good job in it, to be honest. Like, I'm so proud of her. Um, she finds two medical droids, and despite having minor wounds that will leave scars, she refuses help from them. And honestly, yeah. it was less that it was despite the fact that they would leave scars, and more because of it. Um, she she states she doesn't care if the wounds scar, but her internal right. monologue, her thought process yeah. behind it is literally that she has been abused because she has been sexualized. Mm. So, that was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's already a good start to a character when she's got something that interesting to go off of in her first couple of paragraphs. Um... And I, I found it interesting that the two droids, they kind of have like a this weird rapport with each other. Like, a, I, I just got this weird, like, Laurel and Hardy sense from them where they're like going back and forth, wisecracking and talking. 
trying to put her at ease. Well, and, and she, she figures it out. And she's just like, okay, stop. You're already working on me. I told you not to work on me. Just leave me alone and tell me where Dengar is. That are known for relaxing various <clears throat> humanoid species and such in order to make them more uh, willing to be <clears throat> treated and such because their ultimate goal is to treat people. Um, which, yeah, that would be very uncomfortable. Not sure how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, uncomfortable mm-hmm. thing to think about the doctor droids having <sighs> some kind of well, pseudo hypnosis to make you what the well, and it's all, but it's also it's the sort of thing you can easily that you see would a manufacturer think about, um, being like, of just course, in other private this is a good feature. Like, could this not is something that would be very clearly considered um, creepy and weird, like a stylist salon or any kind of a fashion boutique where people are trying to convince you that this actually does look good on you. Like you would, you would have things like this would be a sales thing. Like there would be people who are like, yeah, I can like mildly hypnotize you into believing what <laughs> I want you to believe about this item or this thing or about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, the implications yeah, are a little bit not, frightening. Not, <laughs> the moral I don't complexity. Like the implication like, oh, okay, of advertisers drugs. using this sort of technology. Uh. <laughs> the moral complexity brought on by Star Wars side um, side world building. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Neela remembers being part of Jabba's dance crew, basically. And she remembers watching Ula, the green Twi'lek who gets killed in, in Return of the Jedi, um, fall into the pit and deciding, you know, that wasn't going to be her. So she escaped the palace while all of the chaos after Jabba's death was going on. Uh, and she remembers having to fight one of those Gamorrean pig guard guys. And uh, he hit her in the face with his like pole axe thing, which is where we, one of her scars, she's a we, big scar on her face. Love her. Or a big wound right her. now on her face. But then she took his weapon from him and killed him with it. <laughs> so she's kind of a badass. <laughs> um, so she she finally talks her way past the guards, or not the guards, past the medical droids, and goes inside the hideout. Um, where she she expects to find um Fett, basically. Like she yeah. goes in and she's like, she was the one who dragged Boba Fett um away from the Sarlacc, I think, is is how they explain how she knows he's there. Um she finds that the medical droids have been brought there to take care of him, and uh, she sees a man who's lost most of his skin to burns. He's encased in a sterile nutrient bag, mm-hmm. which when I read that I immediately thought um, of the My roommate and I have I just been watching like, that for giggles. Finn naked leaking bag last night. Because and we couldn't get through, through the it in the time allotted because we kept pausing it and talking about how, you know, <laughs> lasers don't arc in space. How when you run out of gas in space, you don't suddenly stop moving. Because The, the Star space. Wars universe, it, it, yeah, there's there's <laughs> like physical dark matter. Um, it's space, David. It actually, it actually has resistance. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kidding. But it's space that's fantasy. just the way that I've always <laughs> described when people are like, well, that's not how physics works. I'm like, well. But Star Wars has always been about, <laughs> you know, the the old feel of, you know, what where did I read? Lucas Lucas actually <laughs> did a lot of uh, the, the 
dogfight scenes and stuff based off like the old uh, World War II dogfighting stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he would bring reels of cut up World War II dogfights to ILM and say, do this in the movie. <laughs> So Neela isn't sure if the uh, the patient, the fet, is going to survive. And the nutrient, or no, the nutrient droids. I can't talk. The medical droids. They're not guards. They're not nutrients, whatever that means. They are medical droids. They don't know if he's I, ever going I to wake like up to, or survive. Um, because just they've never had to treat anyone Whenever or survive about even Boba temporarily Fett being like eaten by a Sarlacc. And more importantly, how like he has changed throughout the Star Wars universe. We should refer to him as the fet. Just because I like the way David said that. And then whenever we're talking about him in the specific, we'll just call him Boba. Because it's just it just personalizes him, makes him adorable. <laughs> the woobification of Bobo. <laughs> I just want to see a little chibi Boba. You just got to scout him. I can bubble. draw chibis. I can make this happen. <laughs> please, please, cat, for me specifically, make a boba, make a boba chibi fit. I will do so. <laughs> Very good times. We've we've moved from boba fit as um, a hyper masculine characterization, common to the nineties, to chibi boba fit. In the and, span of less than an hour. Well, and this is the best thing about Star Wars is that it is all things to all people in some ways <laughs> in that you can like change its genre and its like expression based on the era in which you are creating. And that's what's great about Star Wars is that Star Wars is essentially a canvas that you can throw almost anything on, much like apparently feudal Japan is if you think about any of the anime that have ever been made. Having having studied feudal Japan for a little bit in college, um, feudal Japan really is just like that. I don't think there were nearly as many robots in feudal Japan as anime would have me believe. <laughs> well, I found this out recently, and I thought this was really interesting, because I didn't know that, despite having been a huge Star Wars fan. He originally, Lucas originally wanted to cast Toshiro Mifune to play Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Kenobi? Obi-Wan Kenobi. I can't talk tonight. Um, and if you don't know who that is, he's an actor who played uh, a, mo a lot of leading roles in Akira Kurosawa movies. Uh, which were a pretty heavy influence on Star Wars. And if you've not seen them, they're great movies. Uh, he, he made like Rashomon, Seven Samurai, Hidden Fortress, Yojimbo. Like if you've seen a Western made in Italy, you've probably seen a ripped off yeah. Kurosawa movie. Um, but they're very good. And I, I think that was so fascinating to me, just how different Star Wars would be if uh, we had had that different cast. Maybe he would have actually been called Kenobi. And we have this like grizzled Japanese guy playing. No, Kenobe is actually be an interesting what he character. Is whenever he's making food, and he just starts to season it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's where I was going. I was about to say. I was about to say. I thought Kenobe would be his nickname um, for the people Satine that are like calls him Kenobe him on the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was I was making a Salt Bay <laughs> reference and no one got it, but the internet who's listening and I love them for it. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, we find, however, that Mila, who is who is cool. I like Mila. Mila is almost a stereotype that I like. She's almost the Western stereotype of like the um, the saloon girl who's had too much, like who's just was, like been done with this thing. I was going to say kissing Kate Barlow from Holes. Hmm. I miss your reference this time round. Don't worry, you're in, you're in good company this time. Honey, you haven't seen Holes? Yes. Chris, you Can't, haven't seen I have another holes? character that I could suggest. I have, this but not the like ones you're talking about. <laughs> so I refrain. You can get it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the movie is still on Netflix. I will literally... Great, now I have to cut that. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I think that's a lovely thought. I, I don't think tonight can be that movie. It's a night, very I good I would enjoy movie. watching Holes it's with you. a very you good book, too. Heck yeah. This is just, um, I there's something going on here, and I don't want to <laughs> say any more about it, because we're a PG-rated podcast. Or are we? <laughs> Were we? Were we? It's okay. Did we used it's to be. Okay. David can just use the Tuscan Raider sound effect whenever I say holes, <laughs> and he'll just be like, "I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm talking about," and people will just be super confused. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, Mila is, is very um, Western-like saloon girl who's fed up with the patriarchy at this point. And is very cool, and I like her a lot. I'm glad that they don't necessarily just immediately make her completely a badass, though. Like, she does take out the Gamorrean, which is great, but it's not like suddenly now she's like, all right, cool, now I'm going to go toe-to-toe with everybody in the universe and win. Um, She's like, let's start with the medical droids. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to intimidate some droids, and then we'll fight other people. Um, Let's see. We find... Her, um, Mila was already aware of the patient's wounds. She's the one who dragged him in with the Sarlacc, um, so Denkar <laughs> could find him. Yeah, no, she dragged him over to the Sarlacc and threw him in. <laughs> like that. Well, this is not going to make it. So Denkar could find him. <laughs> Oof. Um, I'm just reading your notes, David. Don't judge me. Um, she also knows who he is, and although she does not tell the medical droids this, um, most of Fett's armor is destroyed, which I have some umbrage with. Yeah, same. Yeah. Like, it it takes a long time for acid to do anything. And, like, to go through, like, armor? It That would take a while. Well, and specifically Mandalorian armor, which is lightsaber resistant. Come <laughs> right. on. True. I will say to this book's credit, that had not been established yet. It was nothing special beyond the fact that it was cool cool at this point, as far as anyone knew. (laughs) (laughs) He basically does get it all back, eventually. Uh, well, because Star Wars can't take a character is that he's built strong enough to actually get to his armor. Like, the second that hits his bloodstream, he's dead. Yeah. 
Like there is there is no way he'd survive that at all. Like it, he, they kind of depict him as being like a burn victim, where it's like, yeah, I've like yeah, been basically. scarred and hurt, <laughs> but I'm fine. I'm like, nope. If it ate through like an inch and a half of steel, you're just dead now. <laughs> you didn't walk that one off. Um, regardless, I'm going to go back to reading David Jones <laughs> now. Um, Fett, for the first time in the book, becomes vaguely um, vaguely awakens as Neela leaves. Um, satisfied, Fett is um, being cared for for reasons that remain unknown. Insert dramatic noise uh, here. Note to editor. Oh. <laughs> um, Fett doesn't stir. He just remembers her voice and remembers who she was before back at the palace. <laughs> which is part of what also reminds me of this weird gunslinger um, uh, gunslinger saloon girl kind of relationship that they've got going here. Because this is also a common trope in Westerns of, like, the gunslinger who almost dies or is about to die getting saved by um, the woman of ill repute who then he ends up kind of falling for or at the very least having a positive relationship with that ends up helping her later on. Um, So, yeah. Usually they end up married by the end of the Westerns, though, and I don't think that this happens here, which is unfortunate because do you know how much money I would pay for a... Half toilet Mandalorian <laughs> baby running around with daddy's armor. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> Tiny children. <laughs> Come on. That would be adorable. Add it to the TV list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we already yeah, have uh, one engaged character in this book. He's self partnered. Uh, Dengar is just self-partnered. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long day. <laughs> I can't talk. I can't I can't think. Oh my gosh, no. We have okay, one engaged have character. Dengar seen, has just um, become storks. engaged to someone from Canada who no. is totally real. Because there's literally yeah. a scene where um, a pigeon holds up a picture of a Canadian ge- goose and goes, this is my girlfriend. She's I from Canada. Not. She's not made out. And I'm just like, oh, that's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> it's the It's the best. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of chapter three with Neela leaving and uh, Fett kind of, but not really waking up. And uh, next week we'll get into chapter four, which will be the first of several flashbacks to just after um, A New Hope. So we get a little bit of background on uh, Boba Fett and the bounty hunters. And with luck, I'll be caught up by my thoughts going forward. So (laughs) look forward to that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. See, I, I really like this book so far because it mishmashes things that I already like, like detective novels, western stories, that bounty hunters, and Star Wars itself all together into like one delicious mishmash stew. Mm. They were like, we have seven tropes, three genres, and one character. Let's <laughs> put them all in a single pot. <laughs> <laughs> very very true well thank you very much for joining us uh, i hope you all have a wonderful evening 
uh, or morning or whenever you're listening to this <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm David. You can find me. And on I'm Twitter Chris, and I'm still chasing the name of the wind. You cannot find me inside. Hey, my and I'm Jason. I, you I can find me on Twitter at GoShark20. And that's all about all of right now. I'm Kat. You can find me on Twitter at Seagull Soup. And I would appreciate other people drawing their chibi versions of Boba Fett, too. <laughs> Send them my way. <laughs> and you can tweet all of those at uh, Legends and our cast, <laughs> and uh, they will be shared with Kat if you don't tweet them at her. Or <laughs>